the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It is Christmas Eve, 1886. An 18-year-old boy slips inside Notre Dame Cathedral out of the weather. Later, when he writes about that day, he will say, it was the gloomiest winter day in the darkest rainy afternoon over Paris. And the young man's name was Paul Claudel. Paul spent, had spent his youth among France's free-thinking intellectuals, and this would seep into his writing and into his life itself. He will become a diplomat and a playwright, but he's celebrated as a poet. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize for Literature six separate times. But that Christmas Eve, he was none of those things. Just a lost young man in a cathedral, disaffected with God, unsure about himself, the faith that he'd inherited from his parents. When he comes in from the rain, whether he knows it or not, he is looking for something. Let's come back to Paul in, in just a minute. But for right now, it is a feast day, one of the biggest, best feast days in the church. Today is the Sunday of All Saints, which we celebrate on the Sunday following All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, which is November the 1st, which makes the day before, October 31st, All Hallows Eve. That's where Halloween comes from. And on all souls, we, all saints, we remember the ones who have come before us, the holy ones. That's what a, a hallow is, a holy one. We remember the ones whose lives have been examples of charity and courage and faith. And our readings today actually all put us in mind, or could put us in mind, of the saints. So in Revelation, Revelation, when the holy city, the new Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven our minds naturally go to the earthly Jerusalem, which was proverbially called the holy city, a place so closely identified with its people that to speak about the city just was to speak about God's people, His holy ones, His hallows, His saints. Or Psalm 24, who can stand in God's holy place? Only holy people. Hallows, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, Psalm 24 says. They shall receive a blessing from the Lord and a just reward from the God of their salvation. And then finally in John's gospel, the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha, his friends whose brother Lazarus he will raise from the dead. It's a familiar story, but the key to it actually comes a few verses before those that we read today. When Martha says the same thing that Mary says in today's gospel. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus' reply to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, shall live. Those who believe in me, those who have life that's eternal, they are the holy ones, the hallows, the saints. Today is... Uh, my old boss in Boston, Father Warren, used to, say, used to say, today is the feast where the church puts up or shuts up. 
It's today is the feast day. These, these are his words. By which Christianity proves itself. Christianity proves itself because it makes saints. Women and men whose lives have been changed. Whose lives have been enriched. Whose lives have been transformed into the image of their maker and their savior. And more than transformed, for the life their Savior lives in them, they mystically live in Him. It is no longer I who live, Paul said, but Christ who lives in me. If Christianity did not make saints, Father Warren says, there would be no point in it. That's what we do this morning. We pray to the God who knit together His elect in one mystical body, Asking for grace to follow the saints in virtuous life so that we may reach their ineffable joys. That is All Saints Day. Now, back to Paul Claudel. So the young man is huddling in Notre Dame. And right about this time, Vespers begins, Evensong begins. He's staring at a great rose window. Uh, at the west end of the cathedral, and as the choir intones the first words of the Magnificat, of Mary's, uh, the, the hymn of Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord. When he hears those words and sees that window, Paul's, he comes undone. His world turns upside down. This is how he later recalled what happened to him on that day. I stood near the second pillar at the entrance to the chancel, to the right, on the side of the sacristy. Then occurred the event which dominates my entire life. In an instant, my heart was touched and I believed. I believed with such a strength of adherence, with such an uplifting of my entire being, with such powerful conviction, with such a certainty, leaving no room for any kind of doubt, that since then all the books, all the arguments, all the incidents and accidents of a busy life have been unable to shake my faith. And if you go to Notre Dame Cathedral today, uh, even after the fire in 2019, you can go and in the granite floor um, by that second pillar are carved the words, Ichi se convertit Paul Claudel. Here was Paul Claudel converted. So why tell that story? Well, I think that the whole world is like the 18-year-old Paul Claudel when he walked into that church. They're looking for something. Their faith, if they ever had any, is shaken. They're disaffected. They're uncertain unsure, and they're looking for what Paul Claudel found that Christmas Eve, and what he found was beauty. He found beauty. Every sermon I preach just about has three points. Today, I only have one. It is the beauty of holiness, the beauty of holiness, because that's what the holy ones are. The saints are beautiful. They are beautiful because Jesus is beautiful. And they show by their lives what it looks like to be transformed into the image of Christ. The saints aren't just teachers of truth. They aren't just mere examples of good behavior. 
They are walking illustrations of the beauty of holiness. So that's my one point, only point of the day, the beauty of holiness. But here is one piece of application. So in uh, classical philosophy, there are three transcendent qualities of being. They are truth, goodness, and beauty. Those are called the transcendentals. And the human heart was made in such a way that we hunger after those things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. I read uh, an article uh, that put it this way, the deep inside all of us exists an insatiable hunger for that which is true, good, and beautiful. This hunger points us toward the one who is himself the fullness of truth, goodness, and beauty. He alone can satisfy our desire. The Christian message is fundamentally that man's desire for the transcendent realities of being can only be fulfilled in the true, good, and beautiful God. And that affects everything that Christians do. For instance, evangelism. Evangelism is one of our, sharing the gospel is one of the, uh, the sails on our bark, the bark of St. Bartholomew's. So we all hunger for the good, the true, the beautiful. And Christians have long since evangelized or shared the gospel by leading with the good or the true. So the true, if, if only I could prove to my neighbor that God exists, that's leading with truth. Or if I could just show my, my friend how moral Christianity is, that's leading with good but you see the problem is people get mad when you tell them that what they believe is wrong. I mean, walk up and tell a friend that their behavior is somehow out of alignment with the universe and watch how fast you lose that friend. But what if? What if there's a third way? Don't lead with the true or the good. Don't do away with the true and the good, but don't lead with it. Lead with the beautiful. I think there's a reason that Malcolm Muggeridge called his little biography of Mother Teresa something beautiful for God. A beautiful life like hers, like the saints, can get past an argument or a syllogism and point us to God in a much better way. So you want to make a case for Christ? Point to the saints. One last point, the church does not just treasure her saints, doesn't just lead with her saints, it also makes new ones, like Isaiah, who we'll baptize today. Today is, remember Father Warren said, today is the, the day when the church proves its mettle. And in the New Testament, when the word for saints is used, the word is hagioi, holy ones. And it's, it's rarely, hardly if ever, used of people who've gone before, it's always used in a letter to write to the saints, the holy ones, in a particular city. So Rome, Romans, St. Paul's letter is written to those called to be hagioi, called to be saints. Christ calls us to become saints, to live like Him, to laugh like Him, forgive like Him, serve like Him, 
to love like Him because He forgave, served, and loved us first. Something beautiful for God. When the world walks in to get out of the rain, may it find the beauty of holiness in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.